to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult. Exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Welcome, folks, to another episode of Astro Radio Z. As always, I'm your host, Derek Carey, and this one is going to be a nice, tasty treat of an episode for all of you cannibal fans out there. If you weren't aware, you should be aware if you're a genre fan and exploitation fan that Eli Roth's new homage to Cannibal Holocaust, The Green Inferno, came out this week. And I brought in my group of sickos to sit and uh, dine on the delicacy that is The Green Inferno. So tonight with me, I have... The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the foo-foo drink king of Wisconsin, Mr. Mark the Movie Man. How are you doing, sir? I'm feeling mighty hungry. I need a leg of Sally. Ooh, she's tasty. She goes good with mint jelly. <laughs> I'm kosher <laughs> like that. Anyway. Oh, well, it's all about the preparation, I hear. It is. <laughs> So next to him is Miss Kate Owens, probably the sleaziest lady I've ever had on Astro Radio Z. I love having her on here. Kate, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm ready to sink my teeth into this discussion. Oh. <laughs> and of course, her partner in crime, you've heard him many, many, many times on this show, Mr. Andrew Shearer of Gonzorific Films. Brother, how you doing? Hey, man, little Eddie got a joke to tell. You ready? Go for it. Yeah. What did the cannibal do after she dumped her boyfriend? She wiped her ass. Boom. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now now my uh, aborted intro to the show doesn't feel so bad. Hey, <laughs> I got more where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least... We have some new blood on Astro Radio Z tonight. Fans, if you're a, a fan of Mark's podcast, The Spoiler Room, you'll know Don very well, the diva of The Spoiler Room. We have her here tonight. Very excited. Don, how are you doing tonight? Absolutely great. Thank you for having me. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'd watch out for these other guys because they, they kind of look like they've got the munchies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they've been stuffed with some dopes, with some oh, yeah. Peruvian dopes. Peruvian, the good stuff. <laughs> the good stuff, men. Peru is dangerous. We can't just go invade a country because they're doing something that we think is immoral. I know. I just think I should be doing something about the rainforest. It's time to make a difference.
making it too to us. We have to get out of here. You know what this is? You know what they're doing to us? <laughs> Eli Roth, he's one of these directors that I, I think just like... Um, Rob Zombie really divides the horror community. Um, some people really like his kind of modern retellings of these movies that he grew up with in the 70s, and other people feel that he's just a pandering hack. Personally, I love every one of his movies to to an, a certain extent. Um, what are your guys' general feelings on Eli Roth, Andrew? Um, if me and him weren't married uh, already, like I would probably marry him. I mean, we just, I don't know. I just, I just, I really feel he's, he's got a great attitude. He's a fan, but he's, he's not trying to like, you know, reinvent the wheel and he's never trying to be like, he never thinks he's like smarter or better than the old movies. He just true. Like I, I watch interviews with him. I read stuff with him and it's just like any of us, man. He's just really mm-hmm. seriously, just not being like, Oh, here's what I know. He's just right. really just loves it, man. And he's not trying to name drop or be like, I'm trying to school everybody. And his movies to me are the same way. You know, he is working through learning how to do it. And we're kind of all watching that, but man, yeah. I love cabin fever, I like hostile two more than one, but I still like hostile two. Um, you know, and uh, Green Inferno, man, probably probably my favorite, actually. Wow, that's interesting. I, I really started to come around on Eli Roth on, um, when I watched, uh, there was a series that uh, Troma put out a while back called Make Your Own Damn Movie, yeah. um, the documentaries, and there were some great interviews with Eli Roth on there where it kind of broke down that that uh, wall and it let you in on, yeah, this dude's legitimate. He's a, he's a true fan. He's not a dude that's just saying these things to get street cred. No, this guy knows his shit. And he really, truly loves this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I really think a lot of the hate comes from just that he's also really good looking, you know? I think that's the problem. They're like, man, he knows a lot about movies and he's a success and, you know, he's good looking. You know, I got that same problem. You know, it, I understand. <laughs> you get, to get, you get a cost with a face like this, man. It's just hard to. Oh, you know, yeah. it, it can be a stumbling block. That's why nobody messes with Guillermo del Toro. You know, he looks like us. <laughs> sitting yeah. in the basement. No, you notice that though. Like even Kevin Smith gets shit on, man. Just like Rob Zombie. You know, that's like the fans hate him and stuff. I think the fan perception of what their movies should be isn't what they are, and yeah. it's it's not it's not fair. To them as filmmakers because it doesn't allow them to actually like you said work out these things where they aren't perfect he's got his fingers in lots of different pots he's not just writing and directing his own films he's producing he's he's writing other people's films and he's acting i mean he's in tons of different movies yeah, i would give him a kiss it doesn't matter that we're married we're both i would still you know <laughs> hey i just like him a lot i just want to hug him you know and tell him thank you he's, yeah. you know Kate, obviously, you're probably the youngest one here. What was the first thing that you watched of Eli Roth? Cabin Fever. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, tell me what you thought about that. I mean, I loved it. The part with the, the oh god, with the the shaving the leg, and the skin all like just comes off. I think about that a lot when I shave. I'll be like, oh god, no. don't do it wrong. And, uh, yeah, I love him. I mean, I I'm with Andrew. Like, if if he wasn't married. I'd marry him. We're going to be best friends someday. <laughs> You're going to sit and cuddle and, and watch really grotesque films together on the couch? Yeah. On the nights that me and him aren't doing that. Yeah. You guys are going to have to start a schedule up. I was going to say, we'll have to set up some sort of an arrangement. But, <laughs> it's yeah. it's kind of like visitation with children. Exactly. <laughs> odd, odd days and even days. Yeah. Yeah. So, Don, do you feel that maybe the majority of them are a little too unfair to Eli Roth? A little bit. Um, to be fair, it took me a little while to warm up to him. Uh, not because I ever felt he was bad, particularly bad at anything, but obviously just starting out and watching him progress and get better through each one of his uh, projects. I, I think that uh, in general, I think people are pretty shitty and they uh, expect too much, especially for people that have a bigger budget uh, when they're when they're in the horror genre. Right. And he's been the face of he was part of that splat pack that came out in the early Uh 2000s. You know, him, Rob Zombie, they were out there. They were kind of the face of horror for a while. And then when he decided to drop off and do all these other things, you know, I think that's that's some of the ire that I'm starting to see right now for the Green Inferno uh, that just came out this last week. And uh, is that I think they because this is sort of a send up or an homage to Cannibal Holocaust, they aren't allowing it to be an Eli Roth film. Mm-hmm. And if anyone yes. that's seen his films, they know that his films aren't straight horror films. They're, they're comedy mixed with, they're, they're more of like a, a roller coaster ride, like, like kind of like the blockbuster mentality of, of uh, horror as opposed to straight grueling horror. I mean, what what are your guys' general thoughts on what are what is an Eli Roth film? I think it's changed over the years. Yeah. I really don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I think, uh, you don't think all so? of his films. Yeah, I think all of his films are uh, have, even though within them their tonality mm-hmm. shifts all over the place, they kind of are the same because yeah, most no, of the I... films are like a group of teenagers go to a place that's out of their comfort zone and really bad things happen to them. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely working through how you, um, how, how you work with character in a movie where they all like a lot, like a lot of bad things happen to him. Cause you think about like cabin fever, how comedic that was. And that's the mark of a usually early horror, any horror filmmakers, early stuff's got a lot of humor in it. Cause it's easier to do comedy than scare people, you know, but he really did a good job of both. And then like with hostile and stuff, his premise was basically like, all right, um, I'm going to have a bunch of people make you want them to die so bad that when the the horror comes, you'll be like, thank fuck, because I hate them all. You know, yeah. so that was an interesting way to, to do a movie, you know, but I think, you know, some people didn't quite understand and they were waiting, 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 you know, I was just like, I'm sick of watching these people. They're a bunch of assholes, you know. Uh, but then, you know, two, I think, structurally improved on that. And then Aftershock, which even though he didn't direct, I still consider part of this, you know, was almost mm-hmm. like a hostile, but kind of arranged in more of a, like a better way. And I, I just why I think Green Inferno 
you know, he's still working in the realm of like, he still works humor in there. Like he's got a real kind of nasty kind of streak in there, but it's not that wink, you know, it's not that like, uh, that, that same type of comedy that we see in, in like a lot of horror these days where it's mean spirited. I think he really is just kind of like, he's using character. And so they like, it's up to you to feel like how you feel about when the violence happens, like what that says about you rather than what it says about the movie, you know? Right. I, I, I'm one of the the few people and I, and I mean, prove me wrong. If you, if you guys feel this way as well, that I, my favorite film of his is hostile is the first hostile. And I remember the first time I saw it thinking uh, once it, it switched over and it got to the really like oppressive violence and then it turns into the like this kind of goofy roller coaster ride toward the end. I, I absolutely thought it was one of the, the the most fun things I had seen in a theater in a long time. It, it's held up for me subsequently throughout the years when I've decided to watch it again. Of all of his films, it is the one film that I pop in and I consistently have the same feelings about it um, across the board. What do you let's 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 see, um, Don? What would you say out of his canon is your your favorite film of his? I seriously, I'm just going to go with the Green Inferno because, like I said, I was less impressed with his early work, and I've really I've really felt that every single one of his movies have been an improvement on the other. And the Green Inferno is just the perfect example of how he's grown and uh, into a director and writer. Kate? So, okay, before Green Inferno, I would have said Hostel and Hostel 2. But now I'm going to go with Green Inferno. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Mark? I have to agree with the ladies. Green Inferno for me. Uh, Hostel, I didn't quite like it because there was no character to latch on to. I like to see at least one character that care to, so that kind of takes me out of it if, the, if I want everybody to die i knew what he was going for with hostile just for me it wasn't wasn't quite my thing that's why i enjoyed hostile 2 because hostile 2 you had at least one person you could root for which i really liked and she really she really uh surprises you at the end in hostile 2 and uh yeah and this one i i will say yeah i uh, this is probably my favorite of his you know i know he didn't direct aftershock but i i didn't quite care for aftershock uh, there were parts that I liked. I liked the humorous parts and stuff in there that he maybe worked in. But at the end, the characters seem to have just gotten really, really dumb, even for a horror film. <laughs> uh, you know, and that that was the problem I kind of had with it. But with Green Inferno, yeah, what what Don said and, and what Kate said, uh, I just I really liked how he put this film together. I had so much fun. Asked Don, uh, <laughs> I was I was I was smiling and 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 it, chuckling a bit. I was the only one in the theater chuckling out loud. I was trying to stifle <laughs> it, but I was just like, "Oh God, did you just see what he did there?" And of course, that's she great. Because she's sitting next to me, but I'm just sitting there going, "Oh my God, that's awesome!" <laughs> there were many many moments like that in this film, and maybe I what I need to do because I Hostel Two didn't hit me the first time I watched it, and that was I my favorite till this. That was my favorite. I need to rewatch it because there was something about that movie that that felt disconnected to me, and I was and I've meant to go back to it, and I just haven't. So uh, you guys are kind of talking me into it again. I I just picked it up for like three bucks at Walmart the other day. They have it in like a dual pack. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out again. Andrew, we've kind of you you kind of just said what it was before we get into the the real discussion on Green Inferno. Um, why, don't you, why don't you tell me about uh, your favorite Eli? 
Yeah, man. I, yeah, Green Inferno is definitely. It just it, it seems to me like I'm seeing the progression of what he's been, you know, maturing as a filmmaker and maturing as as a as a writer and all this other stuff. It's like I just was like, I don't want him to be one of the grindhouse things. You know, I'm right. really really sick of that at this point. It's like those movies are great. Somebody already made them. You could remake them and update it with you know the the filmmaking. You know, do do different cinematography, making a modern story, whatever. Like, but I don't like that throwback trying to attempt to like fool people into thinking this was really, really an old movie. You know, I'm so glad right. he didn't. I'm so glad he didn't do that. You know, but I was. I love cannibal movies, and we'll talk about that. I'm really absolutely. Like, I really like him, but I I like him for a particular reason, and I just didn't want to see him do like I'm like I want it to be Eli Roth's version, but I also want it to be. Eli Roth, I don't want it to be the hostile Eli, Eli Roth doing it because it's been like ten years or something like since he's made a movie, maybe less than that. But I like I want it. I want to see how he's changed. I want to see has what has he like learned from working with Tarantino and work you know making movies in other countries and all this other stuff and being an actor. I want I wanted to see like all that on the screen and it's so neat because each movie he's made you could see a little bit more growing up that he's done you know and i just i feel like he just really nailed it this time like all the the little big problems i had with the other ones that I always chalked up to just you know being new at it and being young the you know he really got he did good with with those things this time yeah, it's exciting to see the scope of this film. So, so on that, let's let's go ahead and let's segue into the Green Inferno. And for the uninitiated to Astro Radio Z, we rarely um, hold things back on this show. So, if you have not seen the Green Inferno, um, I would probably recommend turning off this podcast and waiting to listen to the rest of it until you've actually seen the film, because we're going to probably spoil a shitload of it. But if you have or you just don't care and and feel like you want to just jump right on in, please, by all means, listen, because we're going to I'm not going to hold back on a, a lot of things that's going on in this film. I don't think the conversation would be nearly as fun if we did. So um, if you if you don't know what the Green Inferno is about, here's the plot. Um, I'm taking this off of uh, JoeBlow.com, Arrow in the Head. Uh, the plot synopsis he has is... A group of college activists travel deep into the Peruvian jungle to try and save a lost tribe's habitat. When their plane crashes, the students find themselves at the mercy of the tribe, who unbeknownst to them are a pack of murderous cannibals. Now, right off the bat, just the plot alone, it it, it was very well known going in. Eli Roth made it known through interviews and uh, just putting it out there on the Internet that he is a tremendously huge Ruggiero Diodato fan and Cannibal Holocaust fan. And uh, so there was kind of this air, especially because the title, The Green Inferno, is the movie within the movie in Cannibal Holocaust, that this was going to be more than um, just another movie of his. There was going to be significant ties to Diodato's movie and the cannibal subgenre itself. So this movie at least to me, it really holds to the blueprint of the 70s and 80s Italian cannibal subgenre. Don, I I know you're not totally a huge fan and haven't seen a ton of the movies. Compared to Cannibal Holocaust, how did you feel feel this film kind of held up to that film? Fairly well. I think he was better at at using uh, the psychological than the shock techniques where cannibal holocaust was very um 
like a a documentary and used a lot of of shocking footage and and with the on-screen slaughter of animals and really truly excellent um uh, practical effects that to this day are questioned. I think that uh, Eli Roth did an excellent job of keeping that parallel going. And, and more of just structurally, do you feel that it, it was a little too similar to it? Parts of it, yes, but I like how he departed. Uh, I, I like how he handled the conclusion of the movie and how that was very different. I, there was far more character development that I, than I expected uh, from this movie, uh, especially because I had the expectations of, of uh, Cannibal Holocaust going into this. Um, I do like how Justine, I do like how she developed and changed throughout the movie and how the effects of her experiences significantly changed her. Well, I think that is one thing that's a little different uh, about this film when when compared to Cannibal Holocaust is the character development, um, because in Cannibal Holocaust, you really are just shown uh, what uh, the documentary crew, uh, like what they decided to document and only through their actions did you get a, an idea of who they really were as people and uh, what ended up happening. So that was a little bit different uh, in, in that aspect. And, and I don't want to sit and have a complete tie to that film with The Green Inferno. I just think it's it's really impossible to talk about The Green Inferno and not – acknowledge the fact that we've uh, we've kind of been inundated from Eli Roth before seeing this film uh, with uh, the the back knowledge of that he's this tremendously huge fan of this film um, do do you think Andrew that that it went a, l- a little too overboard into cannibal Holocaust territory you think he really kind of like forged his own path for this one no nah, he did man because if he wanted to make cannibal Holocaust uh, he would have made a found footage movie and it would have been just like a other bullshit that's in the theaters so like you know because cannibal Holocaust is the blueprint from Blair Witch Project I mean absolutely like, that's the you know that's the daddy of the of these kind of horror movies so he didn't him not doing that and him not having a show where it's like they're all making a reality show or something like that it already was you know making its own mark you know what i mean and he he really you know he he just made one he made a new one that's all it is is a new one you know yep. it's not a remake of one and, and you know it just it is one and that's what's cool a lot of the old ones are similar to each other you know oh absolutely well that was one of the main staples of italian exploitation Back in the day, whenever they they would constantly shift the different genres, be it the zombie film, be it the action film, uh, be it the police procedural or the giallo or the cannibal film would be or the post-apocalyptic film. One film would hit and then there would be a plethora, a slew of all these copycat films that would come out like Mad Max came out. Then there was a ton of different uh, Mad Max post-apocalyptic films. So Cannibal Holocaust came out, and after that point, the floodgates opened. I mean, he he had made uh, a cannibal film before that, yeah, Jungle Holocaust, which uh, yeah, Jungle Holocaust. There there are some striking similarities between uh, the Green Inferno and Jungle Holocaust, like the opening shot, <laughs> the the opening shot and the whole angle of uh, the plane that crashes mm-hmm. and, and they, they're stuck there. Uh, that's all straight from uh, jungle Holocaust. But um, 
this and I agree with you guys. I think um, there's a difference between making a straight spin ripoff and just taking what's there and building upon it. So I'm going to throw I, I honestly would like to just say this this is not a reimagining of Cannibal Holocaust. No, this is this is a, a, a new cannibal film. Uh, Kate, why don't you tell me? Let's let's go. With, let's get into it. So Green Inferno. Green Inferno starts, and we have this whole setup where all of these uh, where these two college girls are uh, they're they're watching this activist group or this kind of school uh, group that are that are into social issues uh, talk outside of uh, or actually hold a rally or something outside of uh, their dorm room, and they just sit and, and make light of it and one of them eventually gets involved with it um the whole setup of this film how did what did you think of of the initial the opening act of this film in the setup well so coming from a, a very liberal arts new england school some of that was very familiar yeah <laughs> i thought that he kind of nailed that like perfectly um yeah I, I it was going in a much different direction than i thought because from the previews you kind of expected that you know, she was some, that Justine was someone who was super into, you know, different causes and who wanted to like save the world, but she wasn't really, and she kind of got like guilted into doing it, basically. You know, um, so yeah, it was it was a lot different than I thought it would be, and I honestly wasn't exactly sure as it went on in the first part how it was going to end up playing out to to being. The cannibals like I thought at one point maybe something was set up or you know it, it went in a different direction than I thought and it was really good it was really creative uh, Mark yeah I'll agree the beginning setup of this film I was like this is Green Inferno right <laughs> you know uh, but if if you do watch the other cannibal films you can see that and I've seen some complaints already online people are talking about it and I'm like Actually, a lot of the cannibal stuff that you associate it with usually doesn't happen till closer to the third act in a lot of the cannibal films that you get. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I even I, I just uh, you know even in Emmanuel and the Last Cannibal or whatever, <laughs> you you don't get uh, you know uh, or Mountain of the Cannibal God any of those. You really don't get the cannibal stuff, the stuff that people associated, the shocking stuff for most of those films until closer to the third act. Otherwise, it's usually just set up and, and building. And I liked the fact he didn't dive into it right away and we get to learn, you know, we get to see the environment that they're used to living in because he does give that intention of the whole, you know, the these the kids don't exactly come from the roughest of backgrounds. Right. You know, they come from a more, a bit of a privileged background. And what I enjoyed about it is that setup that he did there, especially with the Justine character, it all comes around full circle in this film of you see why they wanted her in there all along. And that helps with her character arc as she moves through this film. So by the end of the film, which I, I know we'll get to, but I just want to say by the end of the film, her reasons and her actions make a hell of a lot of sense they, they aren't just out of the blue you can understand where she's coming from when we start to see her get basically some balls <laughs> uh, you know whereas in the beginning she kind of starts out as this doe-eyed 
a girl in college who comes from a very comfortable background who was a flautist, you know, and, and the whole nine yards. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the, I love this first act of, of learning them. I, I liked it because it also gave me that anticipation of, wow, when is this cannibal stuff going to start? You know, <laughs> and you kind of have that anticipation throughout a good chunk of the first film until the cannibals show up. I gotta be very honest. I really didn't like the first act of this film. Mm-hmm. I I thought it, it, it to me and maybe this has just come from uh, the angle of that I've seen a ton of these kind of movies that maybe I I'm just aware too much of you know the progression of how these movies end up playing out. That I thought uh, the dialogue in this first uh, act was really ham fisted to me. And I was kind of disapp- I kind of wanted it to move along a little bit more because I kind of had an idea what things were going to be. And I it wasn't until things finally hit in the jungle that I started I started getting sold on this film. I just the, 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 I, th- I thought some of the acting was really spotty. I didn't like the lead uh, villain guy uh, of the group, the, the, the leader of um, this uh, activist group. I, yeah, I, I didn't really like him too much. And uh, Sky Fiera, is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah, I think so. She she looked asleep, and I, I her character to me was entirely pointless. I I understood you know why she was there. Certain lines were said, and she she added context somewhat. But to me, I just this first this first act just uh, it, it, I was really down. I was like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> this is gonna be rough. Uh, Andrew, how do how do you feel about this whole setup of this flick? Well, for me, man, it's just like that's the part when I was critical. Eli Roth was in that first Hostel, where I was like, this is the part I want him to do better than he did on Hostel because I I don't want to hate everybody. But I don't want to like suspect any of these people of any specific thing. So it's a careful dance what he's having to do there. He can't make you think that any of these people is going to be the hero. Any of these people is going to be the bad guy. Any of these people is going to be the one who's going to die first. Like he can't be dropping any kind of hints on there. So when we talk about the dialogue being flat or character being flat or acting being flat, to me that was his way of trying to do that better. Because I don't want to be like, oh, he's going to be, you know, yeah. you know, like this guy or she's going to do this. I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. Because you know how it is when you see a lot of movies, that's where your mind starts. You're like, okay, that motherfucker better die first. You know, <laughs> you, know you do that, right? So to right. me, it was just like, he, he did, like, to me, all of that needed to do was stay as, like, you know, just no red herring. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. it's easy to go there. It could be easy to start making these people in broad strokes and, you know, get some final girl type or get some, like, sleazoid type and be like, I don't want people to trust him, so I'm going to change it up. And, you know, he wasn't trying to be clever. He just needed to get us from A to B yeah. in a way that's not going to distract you from what he's trying to give you later. And I really thought he did good with that. Don? Yeah, he. Uh, I, I, the first act was a little slow for me. Um, for the same reasons that have already been said, that main villain Alejandro was, yeah, he was the guy you wanted to die. Yeah, his girlfriend was the girl you wanted to die, but they did not, I did like that he did not telegraph um, his intentions or the rest of the story for that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that was good. Yeah, that was that was good. I mean, I in, in that aspect, I I just felt like most of those characters just seemed so flat. 
just seems so flat to me. Well, so what uh, I'm saying is that like you know you 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 build up to me it build it up a sense of kind of like like dread because I'm like I don't know what's gonna happen to any of these people. That's the thing. That's why I think it was good is because I didn't have any expectation at all. And to me that made it a little bit scarier, you know, and that was when people do start to die. I really was like I started to like what his order of killing people and all the other stuff. They're like I don't know, to me it just seemed smart because right. that was a weak thing and that it might not have been perfect or whatever, but yeah. you know, he's still got a long ways to go. I just want him to I wanted it to be a success. I want him to keep making it. I got ideas for part two and part three. Green Inferno, <laughs> kids, I forget to say. I want you to be the men's rights activist. Kill the fuck out of those guys. And then three, I want it to be a bunch of movie critics that get <laughs> internet <laughs> film critics, right? It, it, in, Not internet in any of them. We, we, I, I have no function. I have no. So I have no purpose with me. Either. Those you know, freaking YouTuber critics, man, and bastards, them, man, or kill kill a bunch of filmmakers that think I, they can do better than Eli Roth, you piece of <laughs> shit. Right, YouTube commenters. Yeah, I, I will say he does actually throw a red herring in there a bit, though, because and and I, I don't know how far you want to get into it, Derek, but in that Go first act, or when they're getting into the protesting, and they kind of drop it in the beginning that our girl Justine kind of has eyes for our activist guy Alejandro, who has his alpha girl with him, uh, who doesn't like justine even making any type of eye contact with her man and so up until the part with the gun to her head they make it almost seem like she doesn't get the lock because of the girl being jealous of justine when you find out later that's not actually the case it's not just the alpha girl that was in on it, pretty much everybody. I like that too, man. I wasn't, I don't know. Maybe I'm dumb when I watch movies. I just don't sit there suspecting stuff, you know? I just cannibal people. And, but I didn't want it to happen right away because it takes the power of the the Mm -hmm. eating away. If you're eating the whole time, you know, it doesn't need to be metal from end to end. No, you know, but I, I just liked how he did kind of misdirect you a little bit in thinking that it was a jealousy thing, which is, you know, a little bit shallow. But then you come to find out, well, yeah, pretty much everybody knew that they were going to use her because of her connection with her dad as the main tool. You know, I, I, I liked that. And then as, and then in true fashion, karma hits everybody. Yeah. <laughs> the minute the minute people confess their sin, well, then karma takes over and the plane has happens. So yeah. So let's talk about that plane crash. That plane crash scene is one of the most intense scenes I've seen in a while. Once that, oh, that hits, beautiful. Yeah, I jumped. I really jumped when that that one tree went through that guy's head. That was so Final Destination. I was so happy about that. <laughs> It was like a log truck, man. It was so. I was like, Eli Roth's here, man. <laughs> well, you knew it was finally going to start. There was, I mean, once they hit the the jungle and they were they were getting making their way to the site where the workers were working because uh, listeners. So so what ends up happening is these people get involved in this this cause to. Um, thwart this uh, construction crew that are in the rainforest that are deforesting and there's a there's a jungle tribe that's threatened to be exterminated just because just for the sake of um, consumerism for so they can get the raw resources that are that are within the jungle and where they live uh, this activist group decides to go out there and uh, basically chain themselves to the the workers gear and the, the workers are run by a militia of Peruvian 
Peruvian militia. So once they they make their way out there, I thought there was a real palpable um, sense of dread from that point in the film all the way to the end. Um, barring a few weird scenes where a dude masturbates out of nowhere and, 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 and some other stuff. Um, I, I thought there was such a level of dread that I hadn't felt in a film like that in a real long time. I felt that from the minute that they got onto the small plane before they even went to the construction site when they're speaking in Spanish about Justine and then they just kind of like look at her like, oh, oh, you can't even understand, but we're talking about you. This is bad. Yeah. Oh God! From then on, I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, what? What's She's fucked. You know. And then, um, what I liked about the plane crash too was that there were so many little details of the crash, like when the guy hits his mouth with the bottle, like little things like that made it so much more horrifying and filled with dread. Or right. Well, if you right. But <laughs> like when he's when the when uh, the the softy guy, the African guy who. Who's who's led to be you know that's the audience everybody cares about that guy because he's the nice guy he's the guy who got them involved or got her finally hooked and involved uh, in this group uh, Justine I mean uh, when he, the crash is happening and they, they're inverted and he's just puking out the side of his face <laughs> that was the first part I laughed hard and people were like what yep. I'm like you don't understand dude I just sit and watch YouTube videos of people throwing up in airplanes I mean. <laughs> That was so funny to me, right on his own face. <laughs> Fuck, that was so. Funny. Oh man, there was there was a couple spots, and this is this is where Eli Roth is Eli Roth even more so than the gore is the humor yeah. um, that that gets infused into these situations where most traditional horror films that infuse horror uh, the the comedy aspect it it really is like it's built into it, it it doesn't come from left field i feel eli roth stuff all of a sudden just like it slaps you out of nowhere yeah and it completely like hits you across the face it's like it, it brings such a weird sense of levity to the situation that i i think it's really off-putting for a lot of people mark what did how did you feel about the comedy when it got infused into this film Actually, I loved it. I, I loved it. I mean, I laughed out loud. He did. I did. Don was there, and people were kind of looking at me, especially. That was one of the first times, too, I think, is when I laughed out loud, was when when he when he threw up and it fell. It, it went over his face. And I'm, so good. I'm starting to laugh, and people are looking at me, and I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is awesome. Are, I'm like, we hardly ever get a view inside a small plane spinning like that I mean that was that was just a great shot it was you know in perfect slow motion it wasn't done too much but it, you had the humor in there yeah like uh, Kate uh, I think Kate said the bottle hitting the guy in the face and then you got our, our softy guy and he's throwing up you know I mean all these things that you're like yeah I've heard things like this happening in small plane <laughs> you know when there's turbulence in that and then the humor later on I, I'll save it for Dawn Dawn had a great moment she didn't expect at all later on in the cannibal camp uh, there was there's certain, multiple of those there's, there's yeah. multiple of those but one of the lines one of the lines done by the guy uh after they try to sabotage cannibals, that her and I both blurted out laughing, and I think we're the only ones laughing. In the, in the I, I have a feeling I know what that that is. So, uh, Don, go ahead and tell the story. Oh God, 
So yeah, oh, you the the scene there. What yeah. led up to this whole thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, let's let's just say because uh, I don't think we really need to to go through the the, the plot uh, inch no. by inch. I I think that the setup is you know they they go to this excavation site. Uh, they they are successful in uploading this footage of these this militia. So they they they're flying away. Uh, the plane crashes and then they get captured by cannibals. There we go. Yep. Now we can. That's a plot of the entire film. So go ahead. You can say <laughs> whatever you want. Well, no, I mean, just so uh, for this particular, this particular scene, although there's some great stuff that happens between now and then, this particular uh, comedic scene, uh, they had tried to sabotage the cannibals by um, Eli Roth's character was their hookup for pot, obviously, because that's what happens. And um, and they had some extra and they're trying to sabotage the cannibals by shoving one of the girls had uh sliced her throat open and killed herself and you know of course what they're doing with these uh with these bodies is eating cooking them and eating them so they take a big stick and they're shoving this bag of pot down her throat (laughs) dismember her cooker and there's pot smoke everywhere and then all the cannibals are eating the flesh and getting just completely stoned out of their gourds giving uh um justine and I'm sorry, Daniel? Yeah, I think it's Daniel. Yeah. Uh, a chance to escape, and the other guy was going to hop up and escape with him when Alejandro's a dick and prevents him. Yeah. So this guy wakes up, and two of the cannibals above him, and giggling madly, and he's like, ah, you're still stoned, hooray! So he starts making these funny hand tricks, bringing lots of attention to the fingers. Realized very quickly that it was a mistake when they grab his hands and start trying to munch on him. <laughs> Shouts out, oh my god, they've got the munchies! Oh, and he pops up and he runs off and pretty soon the entire village is just surrounding him and eating him. And and I'm sorry, but the, the just icing on the cake was the, the little was it a little girl that runs off with just from the shin down just yeah. happily running off with part of this guy's leg. Oh yeah, that was awesome. I loved that. <laughs> she was holding it like it was a teddy bear. I mean, yeah. just, and the moment before that was like a Romero esque. Oh, it's it wonderful. It was absolutely what I was just about to say, Mark. Is that it looked like it was straight out of Dawn of the Dead. It was the 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 guy. He's surrounded by cannibals, getting completely torn to shreds um, just alive by the, these cannibals and then the little girls running away with a partial <laughs> leg it's, it's just so gleeful and I think to me um, on, on a whole this film I was about halfway through it I was just not sure if I was really digging this flick. I was very conflicted by it because I thought the the characters and the dialogue were just not really hitting for me, but I could feel that dread and I loved the cinematography and I loved the look of the cannibals and it wasn't it, what held this movie together for me was the comedy. It was when the comedy hit, there was something about that that brought me such glee that I was back to that hostile feeling that I had where I was just like, nah, 
this is just a big dumb movie. I'm just going to sit and enjoy this thing because there's one scene that I literally in in the movie theater. Um, I walked in and there was probably a good 20, 30 people in the movie theater. I was re- actually really surprised that there were that many people there uh, for a Friday screening of The Green Inferno. And I walk in and I'm sitting there and most of the movie, it's silent. Then there's this one scene that happens. And it's not any of the scenes. I thought you were going to say this scene, but this is the scene that I that I I single handedly changed the complexion of the entire screening uh, because of it. And it was it was a scene where they're all uh, mostly most of the people have uh, been eaten at yes. this point by the cannibals, and they're discussing uh, Justine and uh, the guy who re- who. Uh, was uh, in charge of the GPS uh, for the group are are sitting trying to figure out how they're going to break out and how they're going to they're they're going to get out of there and then all of a sudden they turn around and Alejandro is masturbating furiously in the corner <laughs> and I lost my fucking shit I was laughing so loud and so hard that everyone around me started laughing immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and from that point on, the rest of the movie, I think everyone was into it. Like they, I think they finally got that. Yes, it was okay to laugh at this movie. This movie was, it was giving you, it was, it was trying to um, make your gag reflex hit. But at the same time, trying to make you realize that, yeah, this is a really racist, offensive, disgusting film, but it's just a film. Yeah. And you're supposed to kind of giggle at it, Andrew. <laughs> I, here's what's neat about Eli Roth, man, and where he sits in in the pantheon of everything. When you watch an Italian cannibal movie, you're like, these motherfuckers are crazy. Like they'll do anything. You know, the people that made the movie will do anything, and that's the thrill of watching them. You're like, okay, well, at some point, this is gonna get crazy. A lot of them are boring, you know, but when they start going, I mean, they are. They'll do anything. You never know what you're going to see in those movies. And that's the neat thing about Eli Roth is you're watching this movie and you're going like, here's some college stuff. Here's some people talking. Here's some characters. Here's the plot. Here's the plane and all this stuff. But you got to remember what he's doing is messing with you because the whole time he's showing you all that stuff for like 45 minutes, I think it takes until the cannibal stuff happens. It's still Eli Roth. So, you know, this guy will do anything to anybody and he'll show anything happen. And so with that in mind, knowing how sick he is, that's what's so cool about it. It's just like with those old Italian dudes, you are not in safe hands. This guy does not give a fuck, you know? And so like he took the nicest guy and had the worst thing happen to him. He had the vegan cut her own throat when she realized she ate some meat. Oh, you God. Know? He had a girl get diarrhea and the little kid cannibal was like wiping their, like, you know, shoe I was laughing at everything. Because what you, what he's doing in that movie, man, is he is, he's satirizing some shit. You know, he's got some stuff that he thinks is hypocritical and stupid and some pe- type of people that he thinks are lame, and he just wants to show them get eaten. I love that. I really think that that, that good genre film uh, defies convention, and it plays with the expectations of the crowd. It, it, it brings you back to those days where films weren't safe. Yeah, you didn't and know what was going to happen. Either. I hate the smarty pants shit, man. And Green Inferno doesn't try to be like that. You know, it's like what I, the way I described it, man, in real short is just like it ignores a whole generation of horror fans. And I think yeah. that's awesome, man. It was the best move he could have made. Yeah, I agree totally. It was I, I. There were a lot of people after I walked out of the theater and I posted that I went and saw it. There were a lot of people getting a hold of me asking me what I thought of it. 
Um, what I think of it doesn't matter. What does matter is that you are not going to see a movie like this in the theater again. And you should no. be very thankful that it's playing because I wish when I was growing up, I could have went and saw a cannibal film this extreme. That was so exciting, wasn't it? That's why I was sitting in my seat going, cannibal. I was like <laughs> surprised at how excited I was getting at, at seeing a cannibal movie. Because you know, I've seen screenings of like Make Them Die Slowly. I've seen uh, – I think I've seen, um, yeah, I've seen Cannibal Holocaust in the theater. And you're like, you know, it's of its time or whatever. But I'm like, are cannibal movies, everybody's trying to one-up it or outsmart it or reinvent it. Mm, Eli Roth doesn't give a shit about the, you know, this isn't for the YouTube generation or the action figure collecting generation or the Star Wars babies. Fuck all y'all. This is, you know... <laughs> From before that, this is that type of movie. You know? Yeah, it it totally is, and most of those movies I don't think are very popular. I don't think it's a it's a it's a subgenre that a lot of people. Yeah, no, he, you know, Grindhouse made a big mistake. It's a cool movie, but it made the mistake that there was people enough people that would go see something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And it is it is kind of a minor miracle that anybody did this, but Eli Roth, man. I mean, I'm just like you said. I couldn't say it any better. I'm so it was. I was so stoked out. Yeah, I was like cannibal, cannibal. <laughs> I didn't want to eat somebody. And they weren't shitty about the cannibal. They're not monsters, you know. Because like no. in Cannibal Holocaust, they're actually like more of a sympathetic, you know. In the yes, in uh, in the jungle. Well, the one before that it was like Der Diodato made three. Basically, yeah. if you consider Cut and Run the third in the trilogy, and that it's first, hard for me to believe Cut and Run is is really truly a part of that trilogy. Well, I mean, it's, if you, it's I'm so just saying for art, for discussion's sake, let's right, say right, 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 totally. Things work for me in three. Um, you know, in the first one, they're monsters, and the Cannibal Holocaust are kind of not. And I like that he didn't treat them as monsters. I mean, it's like they're in on the joke too. You know, if, especially if you know the backstory about the making of Green Inferno. I mean, it was everybody was just having. You know, it was a trip, except for when the real snake almost bit the girl. But other than that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that the, the backstory. It's interesting you bring that up because, uh, like the old Cannibal films. Uh, Eli Roth went out and found an actual indigenous tribe and they had no concept of what cinema was. They had no concept of what he was requesting of them. So what does he do? He shows them a movie, and what movie is that that he shows them? He showed them Cannibal Holocaust, and they thought it was the funniest shit they'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they were just, insane. They just kept laughing. They yeah, thought it was right. a comedy. Yeah. And that's what that's what won them over, and everybody, the entire village was in. They're like, oh, pff, yep. that's what we're making? Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, and when you talk about the little girl running off with the foot, that's like, you know, that's like when the little kids are kicking the head like the soccer ball in Hostel 2, you know? Yeah. It's, it's this guy's streak of humor, but he found a whole bunch of people that thought Cannibal Holocaust was funny. Who better to be in an Eli Roth movie? Yeah. Right. Well, Don, Don and I, you mentioned it, Derek. Don and I were having that exact conversation in the line getting popcorn. Was that, I, you know, I told her I was extra stoked for it, if nothing else, for the fact that a movie like this got wide release. When they were yeah. talking about it, it took so long first to get there. But when they were talking about it, I fully expected the limited coastal release and only a limited number of screens and then it go right to VOD just because I knew the subject matter in that. And then I found out it was playing at a theater not 20 minutes away. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. I'm going to go yeah. see a movie like this because – 
you you probably won't get to see a movie like this for a long time on the big screen like this. They're going to be probably people that are going to try to mimic it, and it's going going to fail uh, it, because it's not going to be this. And it'll be interesting. And I've already seen the the criticism start coming in how the younger modern and yeah, I'm having to get off my lawn moment just. I deal with it. It's a simple fact of how many modern horror fans out there aren't getting this film. I mean, because there's really no jump scares in this film. And when you come from people saying, oh, the gallows wasn't bad, and that film had 15 jump scares, and that was it. And then I watched this film, and I tell you, this movie creeped me out a lot more than anything the gallows or anything could portray because they made it, you know, there are tribes similar to this out but you there. Know what I'm saying? You know? like showing the nicest guy getting fucked up oh, right off too. the bat yeah. is a great, <laughs> great idea. It's a great, cause I'm like, Oh God, what else is going to happen when they do this that early? Cause <laughs> Hey, for people that are listening that are like too scared to see, you know, like uh, to, too scared to see green Inferno, but they really want to know what happened. Like the people that we read the Wikipedia for Serbian film instead of watching it. I'm going to tell you what happens, man. They take the guy that throw up in his face they chop his arms off, his legs. They take his eyeballs out and eat them. They do every messed up thing to him. It's a great move in cannibal movie history. It's a great moment, man. Well, like if, if oh we were yeah. if we were talking about old cannibal movies, we would be talking about this part in this movie. Like we, you know, later when we start mentioning, you know, it was a great thing, but it happened so early in the cannibal mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like what is gonna happen next it do it's like when they show you something really violent and horrible in the beginning of a movie to put you in a mood that really yeah. the audience like somebody left and the guy next to me stopped eating <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was practical too i that was that that arm chop i was telling don the arm chop was probably the best arm chop off i've seen since 2000 maniacs yeah. I, it it, re- it represented that when when he cut it, I'm like, they actually cut dude's arm off. <laughs> I mean, because he's up there still alive and they're cutting him up. And yeah, I'm like, they don't mess around. It, it was brutal, it was brutal scene. And it was all practical, and I loved that. I, I because it's so visceral. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's got texture and weight, and just it, you're like, damn. <laughs> it's yeah, like, and it's the nice guy, you know. And it's the nice guy. That well, <laughs> that's what nice I think. Guys. Well, yeah, fuck you, nice guys. <laughs> okay. That's what I think builds to the climax and gives it such weight is is that they finally come around later in the film. Justine is is basically been de- determined to be a virgin because uh, there's a scene where all the ladies are lined up and the the head uh, of the tribe, this female. Um, how do how do I put this in in a nice way? Well, have one of the ladies describe it. Vagina to test their hymen. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, Kate. But what was right. so, you know that's what it was. What was so smart yep. about that is they talk about genital mutilation earlier yep. in the movie. So people that yep. don't really know what that is, they tell you specifically in a in a college uh, college uh, class. They describe what that is and stuff. And so later when you see that start to happen, you're afraid that they might be, you know, doing that to them. That, that, a, that it's it going to movie. actually happen. Well, yeah. yeah. It was, Don, a, it was Don, something. Did, yeah. Don, didn't you have a, a gasp there when you kind of saw that coming? Yeah, I kind of actually did. what they're going to do because of that, didn't you think? 
I, I, I absolutely thought that that's where they were going to go. I don't know if I was, if I was relieved that they didn't show that or disappointed because I felt like she got off too easy. And I feel like a real sleaze saying that. (laughs) I did not know you had that dark streak about you, Dawn. Oh yeah. (laughs) But that scene, it had so much more weight and so much more power because at that point in the movie, all bets were off. You Mm -hmm. had no idea what was going to happen because they had already gone so far. And that's why, even though you want to complain, I've heard a lot of people complain that, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Why is this guy masturbating in the corner? Why is this girl having explosive diarrheas? Why is why is all this other stuff happening? Because it's making you think that anything can happen, that there's nothing safe in this film. By then, by the time you get to the point where they're going to do something that let's just be honest in the vast majority of film, especially in uh, mass market cinema, genital mutilation is definitely the, the, the unknown frontier. It is not been shown. That's human so, centipede three with the jar. Oh yeah. To bring us back around to an old episode. Clitorises. Where do you think they got him from? Anyway. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if they were tied into this movie at some uh, in some way? That would be pretty clever. That would be awesome. You should write them a letter and be like, hey, you guys kind of fucked up on this. <laughs> in the future edits of this film, can you please put Bill Boss in it? Can you, oh can you please do this right with the uh, science? Thanks. He, in the next one, he's like the Jim Jones-like leader of the cannibals or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I well, eat supposed- human beings. <laughs> well, supposedly, I had read, they actually, in 2013, had had the green light to make Beyond the Green Inferno. Um, he wasn't, he's not uh, lined up to actually be the director. Somebody else was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Tom so. <laughs> actually, yeah, Don, Don, Don and I mentioned, uh, Don, you mentioned something about how there's actually more clothing than expected in this film. Yeah, I was really impressed with the um, lack of nudity and the, and the lack of sexuality Except going on. Almost um, the guy's penis. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, well, aside from yeah. that. But <laughs> I, I, I was really thinking about that after, after we left the movie theater, um, especially because... Um, that the, the the minimal nudity and the lack of sexuality and the pigs, the yes. the constant references to the pigs, and I realized that when they put when when the tribe put the students in that cage, they took the pigs out of the cage. Mm-hmm. So in in kind of a sense, they the students were so far down on their level of importance that they were less, they were viewed as less than the pigs. I don't know so much about cannibal Holocaust. I don't specifically remember, but um, at least in like eaten alive, I know that that rape is a big theme. And And that was something that I was impressed and surprised was not in this film, but it made more sense after thinking about it. And realizing that they were food, 
Oh yeah, I think I, I, I think one of the the things that I found quite interesting, and and I I don't know if you guys can speak to this as well in the crowds that you were with in the screenings that eventually there is some female nudity toward the end of the film, but mm-hmm. it did not get the reaction that that's that dude's dick got when he he was taking a piss in my crowd. I had pe- I heard people groan, and I'm like. What, because of the dick? It was dick neck. It wasn't even total dick. Yeah, it was dick total neck. dick neck. But it shows you... <laughs> like, like, spider, too, right there. I was so happy with the spider. And then later <laughs> there was a snake, and then there was also this weird cat. I liked that there was animals, and they didn't get killed and eaten. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 But do you, feel, do you find that to be weird? Did you find that find that in any of your screenings that there was more visual visceral reaction to dick than there was to female nudity? Nobody was doing I, nothing. No one was making any sound except for me yeah. clapping and laughing like. <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> same here. Same here. Same, same here. Yep. Uh, well, Don was was smiling and chuckling with me as, as the movie went on. Uh, in fact, when when the spider event happened, her and I are roaring and. And the, I think the rest of the audience was looking at us like, what? And well, it was like, blowing their minds because it was the kid from Spy Kids. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, I just but, saw his dick neck. I can never watch. No, but, but you, you, you make a point about male nudity <laughs> in general. I, I mean, and that's part of the reason why I think you don't see more male nudity is because people have a more severe reaction to that than the female nudity, unfortunately. Uh, you know, and let's face it, women look better naked. But anyway, <laughs> uh, visually, yeah, he had he had a very wrinkly dick neck. Let's visually, be but but yeah, I can I can see where people would have because you don't see it that often. And, you know, I think it's the frequency of it. So. Are you okay, <laughs> Shark boy and dick neck. <laughs> that's that's the next movie. Shark Robert Rodriguez. Shark boy and wrinkly dick neck. Oh, oh my god, stop saying it. <laughs> dick, dick neck and vulva girl. <laughs> dick and vulva girl. Back to to that pig imagery, though, they even get fed what they call the pig scraps, you you know, as well. And, you know, and and her and and there's this piece of skin for one of one of the college kids in the bowl. And, And that's where the one vegan girl cuts herself. I loved how that scene played out. I, that was so funny, man. I mean, because like, it shows that little flashback to whose tattoo it was. Well, well, yeah. not, well, not only that, but that goes right along with the humor. That part, you don't expect it because you don't see that in many movies. Someone actually just snap like that and say, ah, oh, fuck it, and cut themselves. And I mean, she doesn't hesitate or nothing. She smashes that bowl and she just slices her throat. And you're just like, Dude, in fact, I bumped on. I was like, "Oh my god, she just did that!" And Don's like, "Yeah, I know." And like, Kids were using her tattoos like stickers. Yes. Oh god, yeah. What an awesome, what an awesome scene! Because I think it's one of the few times in that film where subtlety was actually used. In, in where she escapes and gets into that um, boat, yeah, the boat, and then it cuts to black. And then you're just left to, to think, well, did she escape or did she not? 
then you start seeing the kids wearing her tattoos, uh, and skin little like flaps of skin like on them. Shrinky dinks and shit. Like yeah. <laughs> thought it was thought it was awesome. Uh, Kate, what were your thoughts on the overall practical effects and the gore in this flick? I thought it was. I thought they did a really good job. Um, one thing that I did notice that I did not expect, and I really loved it, was whenever something super gory happened. It, the camera was, like, a little bit shakier, and it would kind of, like, readjust its focus. So mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of, like, a, like the found footage nature of Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool because it, it's kind of, it's good. It's a little bit, I don't want to say it's less is more because it was definitely not less. No, they did a lot of that when it when they first got into the cannibal, uh, the the camp or the the wherever they were living. Uh, I after a little bit, I was starting to get really annoyed with it because I thought, well, this is this is interesting um, because it's it's very disorienting and you're kind of getting the viewpoint of these people and it's going it, it's going out of focus. But it it got to be so much. It, that the cinematography up to that point was so beautiful and it was all crisp and clear that when it kept happening, I was starting to get really fucking annoyed with it. It's like, okay, you're taking this a little too far and I'm missing out on some really cool practical effects now. But uh, you, you thought it was, you thought it was uh, fairly in line there, Kate? Yeah, I thought it was cool because it, for me, it reminded me of, of the throwback to Cannibal Holocaust. And also I thought that it was... Um, it was a good way to kind of let your mind fill in the blanks a little bit, but also still give you a lot of gore at the same time. Like, I, mm-hmm. it's kind of good for someone who's maybe not super into gore, but you still do see the eyeball getting eaten, so it's not quite <laughs> there, you know, but, but it wasn't, like, stuck on there. Like, all right, we're going to watch the eyeball, like, fully get taken out. It, it, it like, moved a little bit, so you had a break. <laughs> for for about sh- six frames. She popped it shit out like a grape. Yeah, well, great. I didn't know like, yeah. what she was doing at first. I was like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, shit, that's the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she didn't cook it. Well, she likes it raw. She likes it fresh. So. Yeah, she likes it. She yeah. likes it to pop and the juices to flow. Cannibal world. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought about the humor with this later on, because I was wondering, you know, how this film kind of got past the MPAA. And I've seen an article Don shared with me, uh, shared about. Uh, Eli Roth and how he worked well and he actually had good things to say about the MPA. But then I was thinking back and I was thinking about the humor and I'm like, that's how he played them. That's how he was able to probably get this screen past them was by adding a bit of humor to the gory effect just before the gory scenes, a couple of them anyway, it made it just a little bit more, acceptable maybe it's kind of like well, think about you it know? like this mark it, it's kind of like the same thing and maybe he's got a little clout because he's in with Tar- tarantino is that remember kill bill when yeah. all he had to do to pass the mpaa is just make it in black and white mm-hmm. yeah same same kind of deal yeah so you know looking at it that humor worked well with the practical effects and yeah for me i i loved the killing of the first guy okay i'm sick yes leave me alone but it was awesome it was so odd i'm like i'm seeing this on the big screen she just cut his tongue out and ate it <laughs> do not feel bad one for one second mark remember what show you're on you're on astro radio z every single last person that's listening to my show thinks the exact same thing <laughs> well and then and then there was the blood drinking i think don liked that bit <laughs> 
Oh, you mean when they couldn't when they cut off his head and was yeah with the bowl blood was pouring into the bowl. All I could think of was that made me have to pee. <laughs> that was awesome. That is an interesting take on that. I get that. It's like it's like being next to a waterfall or something. <laughs> oh man! So let's 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 wrap it up here. So yeah. So what ends up happening in the flick? And as I said, if you haven't seen the movie, I have one viewer in the chat right now. So hey, if you haven't seen Green Inferno, I'm about to fucking ruin it. Sorry. Um, so essentially, she eventually, Justine eventually uh, escapes. In a pretty, there's a pretty great scene where she goes back to the with uh, the the GPS guy back to the crash site, and there's a bunch of people on pikes. I thought those were some great practical effects how they had that up. But anyway, she she escapes and then goes back home, and then essentially sells out uh, Alejandro, who she left in the camp, mm-hmm. just left him there. It's like peace, dude. You can go fuck yourself. Um, I'm out, <laughs> and. Uh, and basically tells everyone uh, that rescues her back um, and her dad, who's part of the UN, <laughs> tells them, no, I felt so well handled and taken <laughs> care of by these by this tribe, and there's nobody left. So um, I never for once thought that they would do, well, I've, I've heard, one of the guy goes, well, I've heard that, you know, it's... Uh, Pretty natural there for there to be a lot of cannibal activity. Did you ever see any of that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Straight face. Click. <laughs> and then basically, that's basically the end of the movie. Yeah. So uh, general thoughts on how the film resolved itself. Uh, Don? Um, like I said, I liked it. It was it was different. It definitely, at the end there, it did, with her nightmares, it did kind of show that she was definitely damaged permanently from, from her experiences. Um, one other thing that I, I thought of randomly, <clears throat> well, maybe not so randomly, connection and nod to the Cannibal Holocaust uh, found footage thing was the use of the telef- the camera phones as streaming on the web. Absolutely. E- Eli Roth easily could have used that as a found footage kind of deal, um, but made the conscious and very uh, wise choice to not. I mean, even at the end, she threw down the phone so that everything that was already out there was out there and they couldn't find that footage. But I, I liked how they resolved the movie. Definitely set it up for a sequel. Very interested to see if that happens and if so, how it works out. Andrew, do you really honestly ever want to see a sequel to this? Actually, dude, when we talk about this ending, this is the only part of the movie that I really felt conflicted about. Like At first, I was like, fuck, man. I don't like that ending. I don't want him to still be alive. I wanted it to be like, you know, Cannibal Ferox, where the guy that's a piece of shit really gets so messed up. But I yeah. kind of knew because they gave that first guy such a you know that they they had the one full take them apart evil dead style moment and then the the other guy that got eaten alive for reals he's eaten alive i was like there is nothing they could i was like what is he gonna do to this guy that's gonna be you know that's gonna satisfy the bloodlust for him that the audience must have and then i was like when he let him live and they you know he's definitely still alive because at first like oh it's just bad just to leave him there that's pretty bad but when they said he's still alive and they were like kind of setting it up for maybe a part two or whatever i was like you know what man fuck me i guess because like the whole point of campbell holocaust is like who's the real 
like monster, monster. or whatever. Yep. And if you wanted to really see him die, which I did, I was like, oh, God, I guess it's me. <laughs> you know? You're the monster. You're yeah. the monster. So, so um, really, when I think of the ending of Camp of, of uh, Green Inferno, I think about the credits. And when I had the only way, I, the only thing in the spoiler I ever sent out, normally tell anybody this, I was like, please stay for the credits and watch them till the very end, because that to me is the real ending of Green Inferno, and it was awesome. See, I I, I stuck around for there's that there's the shot where it glitches out. And then it shows him up close. Is there anything after that? Oh, you guys, can I do this? Can I tell you? Do it, because I didn't stick around after that. I took off after that. A lot of my friends didn't watch till the very end. All right, so in the credit crawl, Mm -hmm. the movie, he gives the names of all the 70s and 80s cannibal movies with the director's names and the years. And then the final thing across the screen in huge white letters in Italian, it says for Ruggiero. I thought that was awesome, and to me, that's the that's the actual ending of that movie. That's pretty cool. It's yeah, great. You know, people that got a problem with Eli Roth, I'm like, you eat shit because he's not only one of us, but he's holding it down hard for the real stuff. You mm-hmm. know, it, I mean, it's it's easy for filmmakers to say, yeah, I'm I'm really in love with this genre, and I made this because of this film. It's never but good, then, is it? Hardly but, but then they don't give a full acknowledgement to those films. Like, if you actively sought out to set and put each of those films and the creators in your credit crawl for your film for no other reason than to say, hey, I love you for making these films. And check that, these out, you know. That's that's a fan. That's not somebody that's that's not somebody who's look at me, look at me, because let's let's admit it. Most filmmakers are very selfish people. Very, yeah, very. Like that does the end of Cabin in the Woods say check out Waxwork? You know? Nope. <laughs> or Evil Dead? <laughs> Which it basically is. Does the end of Evil Dead say check out Equinox? You know? I mean, does, does Reservoir Dogs say check out the city on fire? People yeah, that's interesting. I wish I would have stuck around now for that, but I did stick around for the the grainy, oh, he's not dead. Here's the surveillance nah, really footage. I was waiting for us to see him getting tore up, and it still never happened. I just yeah. didn't get that. That's really yeah, I waited. He's I was die. I was a little conflicted about the ending myself too. I th- I think contextually it totally made sense, so it did it didn't bother me in that way. But when it, when it showed that little cut scene at the end, I'm like, oh man, really? So yeah, to, to answer your question, do I want to see more cannibal movies? Fuck yeah, oh, I want to see them. I want to see them eat up a Dunkin' Donuts. I want cannibals everywhere, all over the place, all the time. It's my favorite stuff, man. But do you want – this is the only way I think that you could really make this happen and, and really step it up a notch. If you had you had the cannibals versus ninjas, you had – for some reason, some way, there's a faction, warring faction of ninjas that come in, and they all have an all-out battle. It's the only way. I mean, the, the cannibals with edged weapons and the ninjas with edged weapons, I mean, that would be cool. And then there could be like an eagle versus an alligator too. <laughs> <laughs> if if they only if they could be like Godfrey Ho ninjas where they're in like neon ninja outfits. Oh, please let that happen. Oh my and, god. And they have like big mustaches underneath, kind of like uh, Revenge of the Ninja, where yeah. base where Ron Burgundy ninja yeah, yeah, has yeah. this big. Bur- yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. can see it happening, dude. Oh god, man. And then do like an Andy Sedaris meets cannibals type of movie where they got like you know former playmates in bikinis, and then here's the cannibal tribe, you know. 
and the girls they all have Uzis. Oh God, dude! Yeah, yeah, they they they're, that's it. That's it. You got it, Andrew. Basically, all these uh, these double uh, seven uh, agents that also have double Ds um, are flying to South America and they're plane crashes and they they get accosted by this tribe and they have to they have to fight their way out. Oh, that's no, the, that well, that's part two. Three cannibal planet. <laughs> and then part four cannibals in space yeah. and cannibals versus the human caterpillar I mean oh <laughs> yeah one starts eating at one end one starts yeah. eating at the other so it's like the buffet at Wendy's you know someone takes a dump on part of it self-destructive human centipede because it's cannibals and yeah, Bill Boss just masturbating all the time yeah eating clitorises I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. To, to round this out, uh, because we here are all humongous exploitation genre fans, I asked each of the people on my panel to bring one tribal cannibal film that they really love in this subgenre so that you folks that aren't so versed in this uh, subgenre, so you can go check out some pretty rad flicks that uh, not only uh, Eli Roth loved but was highly influenced by in order to make this film. So first I'm going to start off with Kate. What, what was the film you brought in that you want people to check out of the cannibal subgenre? Cannibal Holocaust. Um, it's oh, it's a movie where it's never an easy thing to watch. I've seen it maybe three times now. It's not easy anytime, but it is very important, and it'll yeah, it'll stick with you. It's absolutely one of the most gut-wrenching films I've ever seen. And I think Grindhouse Releasing put out an amazing Blu-ray DVD combo of that thing with the soundtrack and everything. If you haven't picked it up, everybody, I urge you, go pick it up. Campbell Holocaust is literally one of the most important genre exploitation films ever made. It's... it's uh, Influence is so far reaching. I mean, seriously, we would not have the found footage genre today if it weren't for Cannibal Holocaust. Now, Don, you also told me before the show that this was the film you wanted to bring in. Uh, what right. is it? What is it about Cannibal Holocaust that you like so much? Frankly, it is the exceptional practical effects. They, they were so realistic and so exceptionally well done. Uh, that Duato Diodato Diodato, thank you. Um, actually, was on trial for creating a snuff film. It is the the effects in there, like Kate said, are gut wrenching. They are phenomenal. They make you question what you are viewing, and that is exactly what it is intended to do. Absolutely, and I think it's it's approach to what it did, where you, back in that day, you didn't have, I mean, you had films like Faces of Death that played with the viewer's expectation of what was real and what wasn't real by using 
uh, footage in this. The, the setup of the movie is a bunch of uh, documentary filmmakers are going out to document an indigenous tribe, and those filmmakers end up being complete assholes, and the tribe doesn't like it and end up destroying them. And uh, the the way that it's filmed, um, it just so uh, there's so it's cinema verite, and it's so fly on the wall, and it it, it looks real that it's hard to not be affected once the shock scenes happen it, it is it is really to this day i haven't I've, I've only seen it a few times because it's a tough film to watch andrew um are you a big fan of this flick uh no man i mean the not the i mean it's just it's really all the animal deaths that's that fucks me up like it and it's a staple of a lot of those campbell movies it's hard to hard to deal with and you know while watching it on the big screen i didn't look at those parts and like um, you know, Campbell Ferox, same thing, you know, um, although there is a neat play on the, the monkey, the monkey head scene that, that they let John Morgan, they deal with his head instead. So that was kind of neat, but like, yeah, I mean, I appreciate it for what it did and it is freaky and scary and all of that. But yeah, that, that's just makes it hard for me, man. And I, you know, like I had to see it cause it was a real notorious movie and had to say I watched it, but I don't like, I haven't seen it Like I only saw it once. Yeah, it's a tough. It's really, really a tough film to, to swallow. Like it's really good. like you got to see it. You're not a, any kind of cult film fan if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it's really an important film. I I, I think a lot of people tend to tend to uh, disregard it because they feel it's nothing more. It's like the old school version of the Serbian film that the people believe that it's there just for shock, and it truly is not. There's a lot of things being said in that film, and and I and I hate when I hear people, especially genre fans that are educated, when they dismiss it as being nothing more than a shock piece. Very disappointing. I, I, you really owe it to yourself to see Cannibal Holocaust if you haven't. Mark, your your thoughts on Cannibal Holocaust? Oh yeah, I, I agree. It, it should be watched. If it is one of those films that if you really are into the cult film, if you're really into the, if you're really into the extreme films, this one needs to be on your view list. More so than the Serbian film, because you watch this film and you'll see how this one film influenced so many horror filmmakers down the road. Just like Anderson, the found footage genre, it influenced that a great deal. You should watch it to see where those origins come from, you know. Um, it is a hard film to watch. I've only watched it, I think, once or twice myself uh, because it, it it is one of those disturbing films. Part of the reason is because those a- the animal deaths are real. But just in general, it it is a difficult film to watch. But it's a film that I think is is true horror, you know, because I, I always say a really good horror film doesn't necessarily need to scare you, but take you out of that comfort zone. It, you know, it doesn't have to jump scare you all the time, which is what I think a lot of modern filmmakers miss, is that the jump scare, you can get a jump scare out of a comedy, in all honesty, uh, but your, your, you know, your, some of your true horror is stuff that's going to make you squirm in your seat, feel uneasy, or like in Green Inferno, make you chuckle when you're going, should I really be laughing at this? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so I, I, I like the film. I don't watch it often, but I definitely see the importance and say it should be seen at least once by any genre fan. Absolutely. It's I can't I can't stress enough 
how much I, I, I love that film. And it's, it, I remember back in the day that that was one of those films because it wasn't readily available until mm. it was re-released in what, like the late nineties. Um, it, it just, so, yeah. you couldn't find it. You, you really couldn't find it. And I think it was, you know, it was, it was the girl on the pike. That, mm-hmm. that central image that was just so offensive to most people that uh, it was one of those, if you were a gore hound, it was something that everyone sought after. Um, but nowadays, I mean, we've seen far worse than yeah, that. When they showed it at the, the, at the, uh, at the Plaza Theater, um, they actually had a pike that you could sit on uh, and put this thing in your mouth. And people, if there's a photo op, you can get your picture taken. With <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's That's pretty awesome. Cool. It looked great. Yeah, yeah, but I remember when that when I was younger, hearing about that flick and going, "Oh man, that just sounds disgusting." It's a great title, but, uh, definitely. Feel. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Um, Andrew, what was the flick you brought in? Oh um, well, before I say the movie that I brought in, I just want to mention a couple of books. If you like cannibal stuff, man, you need to read. Um, first and foremost, Eaten Alive by Jay Slater, but yes. also Meat is Murder by Makita Broadman. And that one is just about, it's called An Illustrated Guide to Cannibal Culture. So it's not just the movies, it's just cannibal across the board. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a like, I like this stuff, but yeah, Eaten Alive is specifically um, cannibal and zombie movies. So they're kind of mixed in, but you know, eating people, you know what I'm saying? So uh, the movie that I, that I wanted to mention is called um, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, also released as Trap Them and Kill Them, but there's no, like, it's not edited or anything. It's the same movie, basically, just a different title. But um, I love it because it's campy. You know, I don't like things to be too serious when it comes to violence because it actually does disturb me. So I like a degree of, like, you know, that's why I like Green Inferno so much because it, um, it's it got that comedy, that humor that we were talking about. Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals is an Emmanuel movie. If you're not familiar with Emmanuel, she made a lot of softcore sex movies. Uh, this woman mm-hmm. named Laura Jemser, who's a beautiful, beautiful woman, and made a lot of, you know, she Emmanuel's a journalist. And she gets into all kind of crazy hijinks and stuff. And in the one before this, Emmanuel in America, there's like a snuff film footage that she watched. So there is a little bit of gore, but Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, damn. <laughs> beginning of the movie she is in can i just is this cool um if i do you know just a little bit like um she is um currently posing as a mental patient so she's hiding out in this mental hospital trying to get the scoop and out comes this nurse whose titty has been bitten off and just <laughs> blood streaming everywhere right so Manuel, mm-hmm. like, i'm gonna get to the bottom of what's happening here you know <laughs> we need to save them titties <laughs> well the, they, they're like the woman was in this cannibal whatever so she's you know so she's like oh that sounds like a good story how does she get this story she creeps into this lady's room late at night who's all like freaking out oh my god she, yes she, she masturbates her and I know. starts yeah. feeling yep. her up and you're like what the hell <laughs> and from then on Manuel and the last cannibals goes back and forth from softcore sex movie to gross-ass cannibal movie. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily as 100% graphic as some of this other stuff, but because it jumps around like that, you know, that's just, like, disorienting as hell, and it's got this great disco music all the way through it. I mean, mm-hmm. like, this is one that I've watched a few times. I love the Emmanuel, the Black Emmanuel movies. They're great. They're my favorite. But this one's crazy because imagine people that have seen all the other Emmanuels, like all those, it's like, sexy movies and stuff, trying to, you know what I mean? Like, you get through this one. <laughs> they're like, what am I doing? Like, the guy in the, the cage is trying to masturbate when someone's choking him. Yeah. Like, the pleasure, the pain, I can't get off to the imagine in the theaters when people like wait a minute i thought this was softy oh my god (laughs) so it's yeah man it's just so crazy 
And um, it has two of my favorite things from the 70s, Laura Gemser and Cannibals. So there you go. Yeah, totally. Anybody else seen uh, Emmanuel and the Cannibals? I, I know I've seen this one. Actually, I just watched it before the show. Are you serious? <laughs> I kid you not. I watched Isn't it. Isn't that the best opening ever? A great-ass disco song in the credits, and then the bitten-off titty, and then the master. I don't know what to expect when I'm watching this, and all of a sudden she comes out, and then and then Emmanuel has the best interrogation thing of, of trying to get the, calm the girl down by, by getting her off, and then, and then, and then you get... That's it's not AP style, I'm just telling you. No, no, that's, I don't think that's in the CIA playbook either. Um, but then, and then, you know, she gets the bright idea, hey, let's go look at cannibals. And so they get in there, and she gets naked with guys, and girls get naked, and there's, there's a monkey that smokes a cigarette, which is an awesome scene. You think you think you're going to get a little little girl-on-girl action, and then all of a sudden this ape comes out of the woods and, and unpacks a pack of Marlboros and lights one up and they're like, oh look, he's so cute and I'm just thinking, dude man, you're giving that monkey lung cancer, what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) and then then they get they've done monkeys the monkeys, and then they get to the end, and her and her man are sitting up on the hill because they're going to go rescue someone, and they're just watching as the one woman gets gets basically her entire reproductive system ripped out of her body and eaten, and the one guy's like, they bring out this other girl, and the one guy's like, yes, uh, it'll be interesting now. They won't kill her till till they get her to the ocean or to the to the water and i'm just like they're just all calm as they're these people they've been with are dead i mean it's yeah it's wild it's it's a lot of fun (laughs) it is not your typical softcore though some guy fapping is gonna lose it real quick when he goes what the hell they just just cut her nipple off and ate it what the dude it's gone now damn it Yeah, yeah, it's that. It's like that meme. How am I supposed to masturbate to this? Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, uh, based uh, on that, what what did what'd you bring in, brother? Well, I brought I brought one that's it's really wild. I had watched it a while ago. I thought I had a written review up when I actually was doing ones on a little blog I had, but um, it Mountain of the Cannibal God, I do believe. Yeah, I Ursula the, Andrews, the, baby, the beautiful Ursula Andrews, who, if I remember the story right, her and another guy go looking for her lost sister, I think it is, yep. uh, or, or family member. She loses a name, so they go into the the jungles to look for him and she ends up getting captured by cannibals and gets uh, they strip her down and then a guy has a monkey has sex with a big ass boar and <laughs> it's so wild because it starts off just like your other cannibal field where it's got the setup with the characters and then they get into the cannibal stuff and the stuff just it goes Bonkers! I mean, they've got her looking beautiful, and then they got a guy just going to town on this big boar. I mean, like he, like her, him and the boar have been intimate before. And there's other scenes too, like that, where they cut in just some crazy visuals. And yeah, it, it's wild. What What's funny is I swear, and I don't know what the name of the other cannibal film that I watched was. I think it was from the same director, but he used some of the same footage. In two different films, and I'm I'm trying to remember what the other film was. I, it escapes me now, but because I watched another cannibal film after this, and I'm watching it, and all of a sudden I go, "Wait, this scene seems familiar. I think that's the same boar." Uh, but 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Mountain of the Cannibal God. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's a lot of. I thought it was a lot of fun. It, it's crazy cannibal film that uh, again it's not as extreme as your cannibal holocaust by any means but it, it is fun uh, not quite as uh, uh, sexy as a Manuel movie uh, but kind of in between there I think yeah and, yeah and the climax of that film is just unbelievable oh god yeah <laughs> it's it's super fun super goofy and super ridiculous so I would totally recommend that one um, I did any has anybody else watched that flick Oh, I have it, man. You, you know, what I'll say quickly, Mountain of the Camel God, a lot of these movies we're talking about from the 70s movies, the production value ain't, isn't that great. Like, I, I oversold right. Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. A lot of the scenes, especially at night, you can barely tell what's freaking happening. It's cheap man. as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. And, you know, a lot of the other ones kind of the same way. You know, uh, Diodato's had better production value, but Mountain of the Camel God looks awesome. Like, it's really, mm-hmm. it's really got good production. And it was probably lower budget so, than some of those other ones, too. And Ursula Andress is the star, and I think Stacy Keach is in it too. Yep, I mean, Stacy Keach. Yeah, yep. it's it's actually pretty high end, uh, you know, kind of all around. Kate, Don, have either of you seen this flick? No. Yes. I have a feeling there's writing everything down. <laughs> well, actually, I, I know Kate is. I, I saw this last summer and I really liked it. It was kind of fun. Like it was like a journey through the jungle in like a really weird sort of way. And yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, the good action near the end too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I kind of got I, I had a couple flashbacks to it when they were trying to find their way back from the cannibal camp in Green Inferno. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of uh, varying aspects in the Green Inferno that are taken from a lot of these flicks we're talking about right now. I think, uh, you know, they're not direct ripoffs the way that sometimes you see a Tarantino movie and it's it's a, like a shot for shot scene from something else. Um, there's just little aspects that are all throughout that because he's a huge fan of, of the genre. Well, actually, Andrew mentioned it with the Emmanuel and the Last uh, Cannibals, where the shot, there's a scene in there where two of the people find this plane wreck, and they go through it, and they grab it, and I'm watching that scene going, wow, I'm like, Eli grabbed some of this visual from from this film or something similar, because the, the scene where they go back to the plane to look for the GPS felt very similar so yeah the visuals he borrowed from a lot of stuff but it wasn't blatant hey look at what i'm doing because nobody would know what the hell he was you know yeah no no absolutely not and that that leads to the the flick that i brought is uh it it goes by like three separate names I, i i call it because the the dvd i have is jungle holocaust but it's also the last survivor it's also last cannibal world mm-hmm. um it, it, it's tons of different flicks but um of all the flicks that uh i saw through um the green inferno i thought jungle holocaust had such an overreaching influence yeah. on the green inferno um that it, it was I, it was partially a reason why I enjoyed The Green Inferno as much as I did. Um, I don't think The Green Inferno is, is an amazing movie by any stretch of the imagination. I, 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 it was hard for me at the end of the day, even though I had, I had problems with, with uh, the dialogue. Uh, I thought some of the acting was hokey. And uh, there was a few little twists that, that weren't satisfying to me at the end of the day. And this is the way I am with all movies that I go to see. Did I smile and did I have a good time with it? 
If if both of those questions are yes, then I liked that movie. Then it was it was something that I will say yes, I will recommend to people. Um, but Jungle Holocaust is to me one of it is a very grueling motion picture to sit through um, because it it really is one of these films where. Um, it's the basic setup is a guy crash lands in in the jungle and gets taken taken by uh, a tribe who happen to be cannibals. But uh, at that point, there's no dialogue in the film for the rest of the entire film because the cannibals don't speak; they don't have a language. So it's it's this really weird, purely cinematic experience where it's it's a lot of a lot of tension. A lot of interesting uh, shots. Uh, cinematography is 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 really nice. It shows. I mean, the way that it's it's grimy as fuck, and there's there's lots of uncompromising nudity <laughs> in the flick. But it, to to me, it's it's a really intense motion picture that that is primal. And uh, there's very few movies that were that are able to say that they're as primal as Jungle Holocaust or The Last Campbell World or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, so it's a flick that that I think you guys should go check out. I wouldn't. I just Jungle Holocaust is the first Italian cannibal movie that I ever saw. And I, I had I had heard of uh, Cannibal Holocaust, but I didn't know where to find it. And I'd you know you read about these things, but like. I was working at this video store, and they had um, a copy of Last Survivor. And I'm like, oh, Cannibals, that's going to be cool. And it messed me up. Jungle Holocaust is freaky because I didn't know how gory it was going to be, but it's bad. Like, there's really, really, like, Mimi Lay is in it, and she's gorgeous, and she's not – she's kind of she's, – eh, I don't know where she stands on the Lord Jimster scale, but she's she's a very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And it's like this dude is escaping with her, so he's taking the cannibal girl, and they're gonna like you know escape, and they're gonna be cool. And you know, of course, he he has he he for, he rapes her, which is awful. So you're like, wait, maybe no. And then things get messed up, and she ends up back with the tribe. Derek, man, the, what they do to her, what the tribe does to her as punishment. Mm-hmm. is freaking gross. I was sitting there really disturbed by it because they chop her body up and her head off and everything, and then they fill the body with like rocks, with yeah. like you know, like hot coals or something like that. Rocks wrapped in, I don't know. I was like, oh, that movie was so. That's that. Yeah. It's an intense, like I said, primal movie. There's something about it because there's no dialogue and the visuals. And if you're you're not a fan of uh, animal uh, death in films, definitely pass it by because Diodato, all his films, he had no problems with that. Um, yeah, it's not so the one with the that monkey that they, that they ended up like kind of like trying to copy in Faces of Death. Some of these run together for me because they had some of the same people in them. Like Mimi Lay is also in Eaten Alive. And uh, the guy that's in, in this movie, The Last Survivor, was also in like one of the other ones. He was the, uh, I can't remember his name now, but like he, it's what, it's what makes it, some of them kind of blur together for me. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to, I wanted to mention that because it was the first one I saw was Jungle Hall. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. Kate, did you check out Jungle Holocaust? Yeah, I did. Again, last summer I went through like a kind of cannibal movie phase. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It, it I loved it. I really loved it. And the ending, oh my god, what? <laughs> oh. It's yeah. intense. Also, there's lots of wiener in that movie. <laughs> so if you're oh, fan, I forgot. Yeah, if you're, 
Yeah, if you're a fan of Dick Neck, there's tons of Dick Neck in, in last uh, And that actor just yeah. lets all the cannibals just really fondle his shit for a long time. But is there wrinkly Dick Neck? <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have, maybe I'll have to watch it again tonight. Now, uh, next episode of Astral Radio Z, I'll let you guys know. I'll give you a full detailed report, time code, everything about all the Dick Neck and if it was wrinkly or it wasn't wrinkly. Oh, McDonald had a Dick Neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're making the was it, IMDN database. So the Internet Movie Dickneck database, <laughs> and we'll go through all the movies and we'll list where the Dickneck has appeared and whose Dickneck it was and at what time. It's the new cleavage, gentlemen. It's the new cleavage. All right, it's the, the new cleavage. <laughs> So, no. so please, people, do not send that that information to Astro, uh, Astro Radio Z Podcast at gmail.com. Send it to Mark the Movie Man via his Facebook page, and he can relay it. <laughs> yes, PM, PM him all your dick neck. Uh, <laughs> no, not the pictures. I want what the, just pictures of picnic, please. Oh, just the mark. No, from movies, not from your own, not from your own personal collection, please. <laughs> yes, please take pictures of your own dick neck. No, no, no. Dick neck for days. Yeah, <laughs> that's the website name, dickneckfordays.com. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Don't it would get any better, and it would be a deeper cut on Astro Radio Z if it was white dick neck. It's a deep, it's deep yeah. right there. Um, I think across the board, can we safely say we all say that uh, Green Inferno? Go check it out. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and I, I go to a lot of films now in the theater, especially with Movie Pass. And I will say this is out of the modern modern horror films that you've seen in the past. This was the most fun I had at a modern horror quote unquote modern horror film in in quite some time. I I it's a blast. Yeah, it, it's really well done. It doesn't doesn't go to the dumbest denominator for your audience. It yeah, see it. Go see Green Inferno. Support it so we get more films like this on the big screen. Yeah. I need to see more movies with explosive diarrhea. Yes. <laughs> that gives me hope that maybe the next, if we ever make another Swamp Head, we can have explosive diarrhea all over in it. Uh, anyways. <laughs> all right. So uh, thanks for, for tuning in again to Astro Radio Z. This is the portion of the show most people turn off because we're going to sit and talk about ourselves for a little bit. So, so Don, why don't you tell the, the kind listeners of Astro Radio Z where they can find your writing and anything you want to promote. Go for it. Um, you can find me at intheaudience.net. That, that's all I got. Andrew, tell us where uh, we can find you. Okay, well, um, um, on Amazon On Demand, you can rent a couple of my movies, and they actually have some cannibal stuff in them. Um, my movie Mondo Gonzo has a film in it called Cannibal Sisters. Where it's uh, all female cannibals eating a dude, so awesome there. And then um, my movie Pajama Nightmare has a cannibal movie on it called Booty Meat where uh, the cannibals only eat butts. And again, it's a group of cannibal women, so rock and roll. And if you want to buy them on DVD and send me even more money, um, go www.gonzorific.com, and you can see the outtakes and music videos of the cannibals eating the butts and all that other good stuff. Yeah, if, if, you, if you guys haven't opened up your wallets, the moment he said booty meat, 
I, I don't want you to listen to my show anymore. And Please. I will swear to this, I can't confirm this. I have watched a lot of cannibal movies, but Cannibal Sisters might be the only instance where it shows cannibal vomit. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> hmm. So, Kate Owens, tell the fine listeners where they can find you, your your writing, your amazing clothing line, all your stuffs. You can find me on my very out of date website. It's only a movieblog.com um, and screens.com slash glitch is good is where I sell shirts. And also Andrew and I do a monthly series called cult core on the cinemaphile podcast. So you can find both of us there. Zardoz. Zardoz is out now, by the way, it's on oh, iTunes. I was listening to it today, folks. I'm not going to promote it till Monday, but yeah, it's out. Yes. It's a good episode. Very, very well done guys. <laughs> Mark, Mark the movie man, do it. <laughs> you can uh, pretty much go to specialmarkproductions.com, and there you can find links to my fi- Final Cut channel. You can find a link to the playlist of all the stuff I do for We Live Film, and you can find the the Spoiler Room podcast, which all these fine people have been on before, where we discuss uh, films and such. A little more um, uh, mainstream-type stuff, but we, we get into our favorites, too, and that. It's just a bunch of people getting together, talking about what they love most, movies. So uh, check it all out at specialmarkproductions.com. And, uh, yeah, give it a like, and if you even get bored, go over to Special Mark Productions' YouTube channel and, and give it a, a subscribe as well. Um, I'm slowly but surely growing in subs, so... Uh, and I appreciate support, and and the show is great. Thanks for having me on, Derek. As always. Well, th- let's let's be honest. Let's let's pull back the curtain. This originally was going to be a spoiler room episode. <laughs> it, it was going to originally be a spoiler room episode, but then I talked it over with Derek a bit, and I, uh, being fam- a little familiar with the Astro Radio Z crowd, uh, <laughs> I, I I wanted I wanted us to talk about it on the Astro Radio Z podcast because uh, I know. Uh, more people would appreciate the subject matter of this film and probably get the references and such. And uh, yeah, because I like Astro Radio Z as well. I, I thought it, w- it was more fitting here. So, plus we would not have the new uh, ongoing joke of Dick Necks if it, it were on uh, the spot. Yeah, and we and apparently now I have to come up with a website of uh, Dick Neck for days. Uh, so. White dick neck for days. Okay, white dick neck for days. We may get emails about that. No, it's not racist. It can't be a racist website. So dick neck for days. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't we don't want to discriminate against other dick necks or dick necks of minorities. Come on now, all dick necks are equal. Well, not all equal. Some of them are longer than others. Yeah, the the micro dick necks. Yeah, they're definitely not. It's up to you how much you want to show. Yeah, exactly. Well, what if it? What if it's just head? You, Why you, buy the you, cow when you can get the dick neck for free? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I I am your host, Derek Carey, and obviously you can find Astro Radio Z at astroradioz.com. You want to contact me or talk about anything that we talk about, uh, you want to let me know that you hate this show or you love this show or any future ideas you want to be on the show, get a hold of me, astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. Uh, we're on WordPress. 
We're just about anywhere where you can find podcasts. Astro Radio Z is there. So please let me know. I appreciate all your feedback. You've been giving me a lot of it lately, and I'm very thankful you guys love the filthy dick neck content that we provide on this family show. So for me and everyone else on, on the show, thank you for tuning in and listening. Welcome, October. 31 Days of Horror is almost here. Woo. Hey, can I tell another cannibal joke before we go? Yeah. One more. All right, I'm going to tell Kate's favorite. Two cannibals are having dinner. One goes, man, you know I hate my mother-in-law. And they're like, so, so try the potatoes. <laughs> <laughs>